Hey, soccer fans, this is Nick for Sons of a Pitch Soccer Central, and we are back once again to recap all things MLS Week 14. First, want to wish everyone a happy Memorial Day. I hope you got to enjoy the holiday with all of your friends, your family, your loved ones, and also a big thank you to all of those out there who made the ultimate sacrifice, defending our country, defending our freedoms. We thank you for your service. I know you can't hear us, um, but to the families of those that have served and have made that ultimate sacrifice, thank you. Now, we are going to get into all things MLS, week 14. And as I mentioned last week, we have a little bit of a new show format for you. We're going to do our scores summary. We're going to look at some featured matches and teams and then get into a few news and highlights. And we're going to talk about a recent news headline that came up uh, about TV rights in the MLS. Thank you to a new wise man for bringing this to our attention. But before that, a little bit of housekeeping. Make sure you like the video, subscribe to the channel, and follow along on Twitter at SOP Soccer. Remember, send a super chat, subscribe with the paid membership, and get all the bonuses like the emojis and the icons, the discount on the swag. I mean, who doesn't want a soccer shirt that says Sons of a Pitch on it? A shirt, a mug, anything, phone covers. We got it all. Make sure you look for that over on uh, on Linktree and on YouTube and on Twitter for all the links to all that. Now, if you like what I'm doing, I've got my own separate channel at Wife Kids House on Twitter and at wife.children.house uh, on YouTube. So check it out as well as send us any pictures. When you're out at the games, when you have thoughts, email us sonsofapitchsoccer at gmail.com and we'll be sure to work it in to the next video. So soccer fans, SO peeps, pour yourself a drink and let's get ready to go. That intro music just gets me going every time. And it's great to be back with you once again, SOP, soccer fans, MLS aficionados, or just casual soccer fans and maybe some dude who's up way too late and just stumbled upon our page. Anyway, thanks for all being here. Like I said, we are going to dive in to MLS week 14 with the scores, with the results, with some headlines, and make sure that you join us and leave your comments in the comments section. We are live every Monday night, except for next week. I've got a family obligation, so we will be rolling that over to the following week. So make sure, though, that you jump in on Twitter and continue the conversation with all of us here at SOP, one of the best communities in American soccer. Now, like I said, make sure you get those super chats in. Got to keep Mike happy. Got to keep the boss happy. Happy Mike, happy life, right? Anyway, if you got 99 cents, throw it our way. If you really like what we're doing, drop a fiver. All the money that we earn in this channel and through YouTube, we reinvest into graphics, into technology, uh, into subscribing to other news sources. So we put everything back into the show, and that is why we think we are helping grow the sport of soccer here in the States. Before we kick it off, just want to say what's up to Connor McCabe. Thanks for jumping in on the chat. Hello, Red Bull Insider. Great to see you as well. And if you don't know already, go find Connor McCabe on YouTube for all of his takes on Columbus Crew, as well as follow along Red Bull Insider on Twitter for all of the Red Bull news. And as Red Bull Insider puts it, let's get this started. It was a great weekend of games with a bit of everything. You're absolutely right. 
So without further ado, we are going to dive into the scores, starting with MLS action May 28th. Now, this actually a little trivia for you, 51 goals in 14 games, the most goals in MLS this weekend. Also, maybe it was the jerseys, right? They were wearing blue and white jerseys. Every team was wearing blue or white, and they were made from recycled plastic in order to raise environmental awareness issues, polluting the oceans, et cetera. So you can go over to MLSsoccer.com. I think you might even be able to bid on those jerseys or learn a little bit more about that cause. Anyway, here are the scores. LAFC tops San Jose 3-2. Atlanta falls at home to Columbus 2-1. Red Bulls put on a show at home against D.C. United. They get their first home win on the heels of their first away loss, oddly enough. But if you like goals, if you like bangers, if you like highlights, go find the highlight package from this Red Bull New York D.C. game. There were a lot of stunning goals. I think Lukinius and, and is it Morgan? They had some just beautiful ones. Also, TFC at home in BMO Field somehow pulls a victory against the Chicago Fire 3-2. to two. Uh, We're going to hear the Chicago Fire side of things during our halftime break uh, from our good friend John Donovan. And I think we're actually going to look at some of the TFC stuff in a little bit here on, on, my, on my side of things. But the big news from Chicago this week was that Gaga Slonina, their 17, 18-year-old goalkeeper, is now linked to Real Madrid, and they're close to finalizing a deal that could have come into effect during the summer transfer window. So Gaga was rumored to be with Chelsea, couldn't work things out, especially with the ownership issues at Chelsea. Now he's linked to Real Madrid, close to finalizing a deal, supposedly. Also had rumors that he could go to Bayern Munich in Germany. So that's the big news from Chicago, but I really think if any deal is done, they're going to have a loan back for him for a couple more seasons because... He's so young, even if he's playing in MLS, he's going to develop. And these big clubs are happy to loan him out as long as he's developing and driving up his value. Now, the next score, Montreal in a seven-goal thriller. They defeat Cincinnati 4-3. But the big news out of this one, Jordi Mihailovic leaves early with an injury. He collided with another player in like the fourth minute and then was subbed out, I think, around the 17th minute. It is a left ankle injury. And U.S. Soccer just announced earlier tonight, Monday, May 30th, uh, that Jordy has pulled out of the June camp, which really sucks. I really wanted to see him try to work his way back into a potential starting spot, not just for Nations League, but for the World Cup. And I think he his skill set is useful, especially for a coach like Burhalter, who can kind of move some guys around um, depending on whether he needs someone centrally or someone out on the wing or maybe someone up top. I think Jordy could fit a lot of roles and be an excellent depth piece on this USMNT team. So it sucks that he's out, and we'll see what his future holds. Next up, New England drew Philly 1-1, but the news out of this game, forward Adam Buxa of the Revolution is set to join FC Lens of France's League One, or Ligue 1, however you want to call it. Which is interesting because Lens bought Shemslaw Frankowski from the fire last season, and now they've got his Polish national team teammate, uh, Buxa, coming in from New England. Now, the Revs were looking for about 10 to $15 million, it was rumored. And I'm saying they probably got it. I mean, if you go back even into the fall and winter, there were some offers supposedly in like the eight to nine million dollar range that were rejected. So I'm guessing that New England got their 10 to 15 million. Um, but what's what's cool about this deal is Lens actually has finished seventh in League One for the last two seasons. And before that, they were newly promoted. 
So they're a team on the up, and they're looking to bring some talent, and it's awesome that they are bringing talent up from the MLS, whereas just a couple seasons ago, it was MLS who was buying a lot of French League 2 or lower-tier League 1 teams to come in. So interesting kind of uh, deals going on between the two leagues. To continue the rundown, Dallas goes to Orlando and comes away with a 3-1 victory. Dallas keeps their, their offense rolling. Miami, at home, defeats Portland 2-1. I mean, I, I, would, I think that's the longest trip. Maybe Vancouver to Miami is the only longer trip, right? Portland down to Miami. Uh, Minnesota falls to New York City at home in Minnesota, 1-0. This is the second straight week. New York City's only scored one goal. So hopefully they're just readjusting the bear being in the lineup. I'm not worried about them. Uh, Nashville goes to Colorado and wins 3-1. Vancouver goes to Kansas City and wins 1-0. So a good little stretch for, for the road teams here out west. And then RSL defeats Houston 3-0. Jeez, RSL keeps winning. They just defy the odds. They defy all conventional wisdom. I don't, they don't have a DP on their roster. I, I might have to profile them next week, so we'll see. Now moving into Sunday, just two games. The Galaxy defeat Austin 4-1. Nice bit of coaching from Greg Vanny as he misses his formation up, goes to the two-striker uh, format up top, and they end up scoring two goals in quick succession after that. So meanwhile, Austin is on a little bit of a skid. They're still sitting in that fourth place in the Western Conference, um, but they look to be struggling a little, little bit. And then to finalize the weekend, Seattle wins 2-1 to one at home against Charlotte. So after that big rundown, let's take a quick look at some of the uh, uh, the comments. And yes, Red Bull Insider says Lucinius with a double and Morgan with a goal and DC with the own goal in the 88th minute. Wow. I was I was starting to kind of jump on the DC bandwagon because you had Toxie Fountas starting to score. Flores may be coming into form, but that looks to be all by the wayside right now. Um, and then Connor McCabe says, Thanks for the shout. Just finished a vid with Ryan Edward Fortune previewing the USMNT June window. So make sure you guys go check that out over on Connor's channel. And Red Bull says those blue jerseys look sick. They were fascinating to look at. Certainly hope you mean sick as in a positive thing. Um, but interesting. Yes, absolutely. I thought it was some Memorial Day weekend kind of thing, but it was for the environmental awareness. Now, that was our, our recap. And whew. Let me take a quick drink here. So let me ching ching for everybody at home. Cheers to everyone. Hopefully you had a wonderful Memorial Day and enjoyed all the matches. Now, we want to take a look at one of our featured teams for the week. And this one goes out to our good friend and follower of the show, longtime supporter, Jay, north of the border here. We're going to start with Toronto. And I know he was bummed at me and, and, and just comically mad at me last week. As soon as he joins the chat, we start talking Montreal. So this week, Jay, I wanted to profile TFC for you. And because TFC, I think, is really on the cusp of making a, a jump up the table. And I want to see if you fans and listeners and viewers out there would agree with me on that. So They've had a pretty solid run of form as of late. Over the last three games in all competitions, they've got two wins and a draw, even robbing Chicago of at least a point uh, in that last match up at BMO Field. And, and man, Chicago, they're frustrating, folks. Uh, someone from the Chicago suburbs who's been following the team since their inception kind of sucks. Uh, but you're going to hear more about the Chicago side from John Donovan during our break. And if you want a full analysis of that Chicago game, 
uh, including a statistical breakdown, something that I like to do, come on over to my channel, wife.children.house. Just search for Backdraft Chicago Fire Recap, and we'll get you all the numbers of that game coming up over the next few days. Now, here's what worries me about TFC. And then, you know, it's the management guy in me. That's the operations manager in me. We're going to start negative and end on a positive note. Um, so coming into the season, we all speculated TFC is just going to try to tread water until Insigne arrives on July 1st, right? And that kind of seems to be their plan. They were nearly unwatchable for long stretches of the game versus Chicago. It was just, it was bunker and counter, but not even effective counter until Pozuelo would get on the ball, right? Um, they had defensive struggles, but really they have a lot of young players who are trying to break into regular play in MLS. For example, Jaquiel Marshall-Ruddy, 17 years old. Cozy Thompson, 19 years old. DeAndre Kerr, 19. Jaden Nelson, 19. Ralph Priso-Mbongue, 19. He's the guy that subbed in, I believe, for Pozuelo, who went out with the knock. Hopefully Pozuelo is okay. Anyone with any news on him or on the TFC front, please let us know in the comments what's going on with him. Ralph Priso, again, he subs in for a former MVP, 19. Themi Antonoglu, 20 years old. And Greek, by the way. Uh, also, there are a handful of other players who are only 21 years old, including the future of their offense, Ayo Akinola. A lot of young players there. Got to get used to the MLS. Bob Bradley will get them there. He will not put up with, with anything but their best, for sure. Now, statistically speaking, they are outperforming expectations, which worries me because there may be a regression to the mean to what the models are saying. According to fbref.com, their expected goals are 14 on the season, but they've actually scored 21. It helps that they had three against the fire. Um, their expected goals allowed is 31.8, but they've only actually allowed 27. So right now they're outperforming what the models are saying. Maybe Insigne changes that. Maybe he is going to come in and start banging them in, raising both their actual goals and their expected goals. And because of that, it takes a little pressure off the defense, but that remains to be seen for the time being, at least through the month of June. Hopefully there is no regression to what the models are predicting. Now let's look at their June calendar coming up. They are at Red Bulls, then they're home against Montreal for the Canadian championship game. Back to MLS, they are at home against Atlanta and then home against Columbus. So it's not not an easy stretch, though they are catching a banged-up Atlanta and kind of a hot-cold Columbus team, um, but they get home games. So maybe it's not the worst June for them before Insigne comes in. Now, before I jump into the positives, let's take a, a quick look at some of our comments here. We got spitting fire in the house that says, no, I know, man. I know you were upset with how Chicago played against Toronto and for them to kind of give it up late. But you know what? They're coming out of it with a good mental attitude. Ezra set in the tone with his social media post saying, this is not the same old fire. We will not put up with this. What other comments do we have here? We got Red Bull Insider saying, if TFC could keep the goals coming, I think they could heat up and make a playoff push. And that's exactly where, where I think they're going. I'm trying to stay optimistic, not only for, for Jay and for Mike, but for TFC fans who – and had some rough times when that team first came into the league and now are starting to question whether or not they're going to fall that far back or if they're going to continue to try uh, to try to go for trophies. Connor McCabe says, half of TFC's roster is a year older than me. Yeah, how do you think I feel, Connor? I'm turning 38 this fall, and I look at these guys, and I'm like, man, my knee is 
can't even watch a soccer game at this point, let alone get out there and play, man. Um, that's partly due to uh, to some knee injuries, not because I'm horribly out of shape, but I am horribly out of shape. And Red Bull Insider says, in a couple of years, TFC may be dominating if their youth players come through. And you're right. I think they're, they really are building a good young core who they can elevate. The question remains to be seen if they are going to start selling off some of those players like a Jaden Nelson, like a Jaquille Marshall Reddy. Um, those guys might be good sell-ons and you know, earn a little money, maybe sign the next big DP after Insigne. So now let's look to the positives for TFC. And we said their upcoming schedule, we'll see how Atlanta and Columbus are, but at least they got games at BMO Field for that. The last month of matches before Insigne are mostly at home, like I said. And in fact, Toronto has a very favorable second half of their schedule. They still have to play expansion team Charlotte twice. And even though Charlotte's been playing respectable soccer, it's really hard for an expansion team to play at a high level for an entire course of the season when they have a lot of guys who are either coming up from lower leagues, uh, new signings, or just coaching and management, not knowing how to manage their players over an, a very lengthy MLS season and those dog days of MLS summer. TFC also has Inter-Miami two times, who is playing better as of late, but I'm not sold on them yet. And then also they have a game against San Jose at home and away to Chicago. So a very favorable second half schedule for TFC. Also, they're only three points off the playoff line, but they do need to fix their defense. They've allowed 27 goals so far. That's the most in the Eastern Conference, and only San Jose has allowed more goals across the league with 32. But another benefit for TFC is the East is very, very tight. It's a tight race in the East. Only 15 points separates first place New York City from last place Chicago, and six points separates fifth place Cincinnati, I think, from 12th place, Toronto. People are speculating also that Cincy, Miami, and Charlotte, who are in that 6-8 to eight range, are going to drop off, which will open the door for a team like Toronto to jump up. And then finally, they got Bob Bradley, right? I think not only all the things that Bob Bradley knows how to do as a coach and in MLS, I think this is going to be his last coaching stop. He's going to want to go for trophies. He's going to want to push his team. He's going to want to get them into finals playing for trophies, bringing home hardware, making big moves, right? Now, he's also TFC sporting director, and he's 64 years old. So I think he may want a few years just to kind of be behind the desk as sporting director and be able to put his stamp on the club at a bigger level than just kind of the dual coaching sporting director, right? Now, that's just my speculation. I know he loves being on the field. I know he loves coaching his son, Michael Bradley, and I know Michael loves having his dad and working for him and playing for him, but I think at some point Bob is going to transition to the office, to an office role, which will be in the next couple years, so he's going to want to go for it now. So that is kind of my thoughts on TFC and what I expect to see from them. Now, because of that, let's take a quick look at the standings to see exactly where TFC has to go from here. Let me pull up a little of the magic. And what do we got here? Let's take let's take a look see everybody. All right. This is fantastic. There we go. So we have now Toronto is sitting in 12th place. I'm having just a little bit of those technical difficulties here with StreamYard getting this stuff together. There we go. 
thanks for for all of you bearing with me i swear this is just the this is just the first bourbon though it may not be the last so we have toronto sitting in 12th place here with 15 points they're averaging 1.07 points per game you need to be somewhere around 1.35 to 1.6 to feel really good about your playoff chances and if you're at least at two points per game then you're looking at a potential shield run a supporter shield best record in mls right most points in mls at least so they they don't have they have a pretty fair record four wins at home three losses at home four draws on the road or four losses on the road three draws on the road they, they are just treading water till Encini gets here right and the record kind of reflects that and, and kind of some of the issues that bob's trying to fix there with the defense does kind of reflect that right like the, the the offense they'll take it if it comes pozuelo still got the magic he looked like an mvp against chicago right two goals uh against them and he just danced through some of the chicago defense uh now the chicago defense just kind of let him run at him they were backpedaling more than they were attacking uh, from a defensive perspective. But anyway, we'll get into that in another video. Um, but Toronto is sitting in 12th. They've got D.C. and Chicago behind them. I don't think those two teams are a huge threat to Toronto, um, especially with another game against Chicago coming up. So can Toronto jump New England, Atlanta, and Columbus? And Atlanta, we know the injuries are, have piled up on them. Joseph Martinez may be back, but is he back to 100%? And I don't think he's back to 100% for his entire, or like his MVP season, 100%. New England, we just talked about it earlier. Books is out. Turner is going to be leaving. They're going to have some struggles on offense, especially since they signed Josie to be a short-term replacement for Buxa, and Josie's not healthy. Gee, shocking. Who would have thought that, right? We've been saying it for years on this show, and uh, Mike would definitely back me up on that one. He has diehard of a TFC and Josie fan as he is. Ask him what he named his bulldog. Anyway, uh, so I think TFC can jump New England and Atlanta, despite being about 0.2 points per game behind them right now. Columbus is going to be tricky. If Columbus gets hot, they can rise up. We haven't seen the best out of Zellerion yet. And as far as Charlotte goes, they're an expansion team. They're kind of that wild card right now. If Carl Swiderski can get back to scoring goals, then Charlotte's going to be winning a few more games. So I think New England can get, or I'm sorry, I think Toronto can really get into that seven and eight spot with with Justin Cena's presence. Now, if they all start playing better, if the defense starts playing better, Quentin Westbrook had a decent game against Chicago. If they can play better, they can certainly overtake Miami and Cincinnati. So I do think Toronto is in a position to springboard up the conference standings and get into uh, the playoff conversation, right? Now, Let's check out a few of our comments before we wrap up our little segment on Toronto. And, uh, yep, as Red Bull Insider put it previously, TFC may be dominating if they've got enough young players coming through. Um, what are your thoughts on Toronto? Email us. We'll do a, a quick recap. Sons of a pitch soccer at gmail.com. Leave your comments below, and we'll try to get to some of them next week as a, a little bit of a throwback segment, right? Hey, last week we said this. Does it still hold true? Now, we are going to take a quick break here. We're about the halfway point of the show. So we are going to, on the podcast side, you're going to hear from John Donovan, our longtime supporter and good friend, giving you his recap of Chicago Fire for the week. And on the YouTube side, we're going to take a quick break. Make sure you check out our sponsor, Skira Icelandic Spring Water, available at your local 7-Eleven. Once I knock this bad boy out, I probably should be going for a skier myself to get a little hydration from the, the great springs of Iceland. 
Anyway, we'll be back in about a minute, everyone. Stay tuned. This MLS Weekly Recap is sponsored by Skira, Icelandic spring water, available at your local 7-Eleven. Icelandic for clear, Skira water comes from a spring in a nature preserve in Iceland with naturally low mineral content. This isn't your average water. Clearly, yes, pun intended, it's one of the best. Get some Skira today at your local 7-Eleven. And now it's time for our weekly Chicago Fire update brought to you by John Donovan. Take it away, John. Nick, John Donovan here covering the Chicago Fire in the MLS in the backyard. In my backyard, it's the most perfect night I've had in six or seven months. Little breeze, no mosquitoes, great shade, 81 degrees. Could you ask for a better evening? And to talk about that game, that incredibly exciting game last night. Sorry, the Chicago Fire lost 3-2. to two, But it was the type of game you want to watch every week. The teams were just so diametrically different. I Honestly, if you had seen that game and didn't look at the scores, the Fire would have won 8 to nothing in that game. They dominated the, the, the play on the field. More shots, more possession. Um, they had the, the starting people that I think will, will go that way, hopefully without any injuries. They started out um, Chabilco up type, Mueller, and this guy, Torres, is the deal. He can play. I mean, he plays right and left. Doesn't make any difference. He's dangerous. He's a 21-year-old dangerous player that's playing for the Chicago Fire. And he is the type of guy that should draw um, that great Latin uh, Mexican crowd that, that likes uh, the Chicago Fire. I certainly uh, want to inform people, fans, that this guy is a star. But they had Jimenez and Navarro as uh, the uh, defensive midfielders. Navarro from Venezuela in uh, the left fullback. Chizos, Terran, and uh, Sedilco. Terran was on because Olmsberg apparently has the virus. So he was off and, and against Lonina in the goal. But the game itself, it was Bradley started out his team, the Toronto squad, in a defensive position. They just looked for the break, and guess what? I think it was about the 24th minute into the game, they got the break. The Fire's pounding the ball. They bring the ball down in, into uh, the left corner. They cross it over the top. The um, Navarro from Venezuela did not react, and it was a shot that I think Slonina could have stopped, but he didn't. Uh, he got a hand to it, but it went into the goal, and it was one nothing. And I think everybody, including me, was totally surprised at this game. You, you know, I have a fan here right now. I just wanted to ask her what, um, uh, what she thought. She's my granddaughter, my nine-year-old granddaughter that watched the game with me, and we just had a wonderful time. Reeves, what did you think of the game? C'était l'un des jeux les plus excitants que j'ai jamais vu. Whoa! What language is that? You got to do that in English. What? Do it in English. It was one of the most exciting games I've ever seen. Oh, my Lord. Thank the Lord. I, I didn't know she spoke French, but there we go. I mean, she gets excited, and that's the way it comes out. But the game, uh, highlights of the game for me was Terran. Our Carlos Terran scored a goal. I mean, he got into the mix. They needed goals. What is he, 6'4"? Big, powerful guy, and he played well this game. I got to give it to him. I've been bad-mouthing him for quite a while. He played a really stout game 
um, scored a goal and was in the mix quite a bit. Uh, Ezra kept sending him up into the offensive area, and they didn't have the height to deal with him. Um, Jairo Torres scored on a rebound that was disqualified, unfortunately. Um, the kid can play, but, um, you know, Shabilko had a great game. I really, I thought everybody played well, but the stars were not with them. If, if there was one guy that I would not have on the field, this guy's lost outright two games for the Chicago Fire. That's Federico Navarro. You know, the guy's a rough, tough dude, but rough, tough does not mean winning. You know, he, uh, on one play, a very significant play, uh, Toronto guy was crossing the upper corner of the penalty area on the, on the Chicago Fire side, and he lowers his shoulder and knocks the guy off the bowl. It was not a shoulder-to-shoulder play. It wasn't one where everybody's wondering whether who got the foul, who didn't. Is it a good play or a bad play? No. He knocked the guy. It was almost like a tackle. Uh, in the penalty area, bingo, 3-2 loss for the fire. I mean, it, you know, I, I don't know what it is with the squad, but what have we lost six games because of stupid plays and red cards and whatever. I mean, Ezra does not, I, I was rooting so hard for this guy at the beginning of the season. Uh, Wiki was not the answer for the squad last year, but Ezra is not the answer for the squad this year either. You know, he's got a team. Monsueto has paid a lot of money for these guys and this particular game, they really, I believe they put it all out, but they just, you know, it wasn't there. I, I have to laugh a little bit, you know, 13 years this team's been struggling. And who's been coaching or involved with this team for 13 years? Klopas. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay this on the Klopas curse. I just can't figure out how professional players can be in front of goals and just literally miss goals the way the fire does or bad play or stupid play and it has been going on for 13 years so hopefully next year there's a cleaning of the bench complete cleaning of the bench plus gm and he's got the talent he has the talent even Shakira played a hell of a game this this game um i one one thing that happened during the game i was very confused Jara Torres almost scored on a beautiful play, and the next substitution, he's putting on Herbers, who's a good player, a great substitute, but you don't put him on for the hottest player on the squad that's playing well. And he's not coming off. You know, they're, they're making it sound like he's coming into conditioning. No, he's been playing a full season in Mexico, so the guy is in condition. Why are you pulling off your best player at the 75th minute? Makes no sense to me. But at least he didn't put on Espinosa, I guess. So um, we are in dead last. We're the worst team in the MLS. Charlotte is better than us. Um, I was talking to a, a friend of mine the other day in St. Louis, and he said, St. Louis, you know, they're coming into the season next year, and they've got 60,000 applications for 23,000 spots. So the MLS is growing. It's exciting. It's, it's great play. The play is getting better. And the Chicago Fire have the Klopas curse. So, all right, Nick, I uh, look forward to our next game against D.C. D.C. is a good squad. Um, it's no guarantee that they're going to win. But I, I really expect the Fire to get, get a little bit of uh, fire behind them to get this season going. Take care. Thanks for that Chicago Fire update, John. We'll talk to you next week. All right, soccer fans, are we ready? 
Do we have full drinks? Do we have empty bladders? Are we in a comfortable seat? Let's get ready to look at the second half of our show. But I got to remind you, hit that like button. As they, as Mike always says, smash that like button, right? Let's get those likes going. Let's get the subscriptions to the channel. Let's get the paid subscriptions rolling. Trust me, it's worth it. Do your, your monthly all-star level. You'll get the 20% off the swag. If you want to buy Sons of a Pitch Soccer Central gear, let me let me just model this a little bit here for you. Get my good side, right? Get my bad side. I'm told I don't have a bad side, but I think they're lying to me. Anyway, do the monthly subscription, even if it's just for a month, just to get the 20% off uh, the swag. You can email sonsofapitchsoccer at gmail.com for details on that, or as well as to let us know what you would like to see from a swag or offer perspective. Throw a super chat at us. You like these weekly breakdowns? You like this uh, on the podcast side? Come over and find us on YouTube. Send a super chat, even if it is just a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, whatever it is. It helps us out. And you know what? It lets us know that you're liking what we're doing. We do appreciate uh, being able to be hosted on by Anchor FM for the podcast. And we especially want to thank our other sponsor, Skira Icelandic Spring Water. For letting us do what we do. Sorry, I didn't mean to think to say that we're sponsored by Anchor FM, um, but we appreciate them having such a great platform to drop our podcast. Now we continue on with the second of our featured teams, and I call this episode "The View from the Bottom" because we're looking at a couple teams at the bottom of the table. And again, Toronto has a lot of upside. Chicago has played really well over four games, despite only having one point to show for it. And now we're going to go out west and look at the bottom team in the Western Conference, sporting Kansas City, because SKC has just been an enigma to me ever since Mike and I have started doing Sons of the Pitch podcasts and YouTube videos. I'm pretty sure the first four years, we always pick sporting Kansas City to win at least one trophy, if not win multiple trophies. I'm, I'm pretty sure there was a year I said they'd win a double uh, Champions League MLS Cup, but I know better than to pick a team to do that. Anyway, maybe Seattle breaks that trend, whatever the case may be. I want to look at Sporting Kansas City because there has been a lot of talk around SKC, around their roster, and around head coach, technical director, sporting director, Peter Vermees, who essentially built this club from when they went from Wiz to Kansas City, right? Again, there's three questions that are out there for Kansas City. Is it just a case that they need Polito and Kinda? Are they old, and does Vermees need to step down as manager and fo focus on the technical and sporting side of things, right? So first, let's quickly just take a look at Sporting Kansas City by the numbers. So this season, three wins, four draws, eight losses. They're at a minus 13 goal differential and are the worst team in the West. Only Chicago has less points than they do in MLS. Their expected goals this season are 13.8, and they've actually scored 13 goals. Their expected goals allowed are 21.3, and they've actually allowed 26. So the defense is playing a little worse than the model has predicted. Now let's go back a little bit in time here. Over the last four seasons, Kansas City has finished third, first, 11th, first, fifth, and fifth in the Western Conference, respectively. Uh, and their best playoff run, they got to the MLS Cup semifinals, twice during the, those times. Most recent trophy for them was the 2017 U.S. Open Cup. So for you Kansas City fans, I'm sure that feels like a long time, but for a lot of other clubs, you won a trophy four seasons ago, 
not terrible, right? For a lot of these clubs that don't have any of them. Um, Kansas City does have, a, I think, four trophies under Vermees, uh, an MLS Cup and three US, three or four U.S. Open Cups. So they're, they're no stranger to hardware, but I just think that they're not performing to their expectations, right? When they've been so good for so long, like I said, third, first, 11th anomaly, first, fifth, fifth, they need to be competing for trophies. Now, looking at Kansas City, a lot of people are saying Gotti Kinda and Alan Pulido, if they were just healthy, the offense would be clicking, everything would be fine. So let's go back and look at their goals scored over the last several seasons, right? This season, they've only scored 13. But over the last five seasons, they've had uh, 58 goals in 2021, top of the West, 38 goals in 2020, which is fourth in the West, 49 goals in 2019, which was 10th in the West. That was their 11th place season. So there, there's kind of your outlier, like your, your low end of the spectrum. In 2018, they scored 68 goals, which was third in the in the Western Conference. And in 2017, 40 goals, ninth in the West. Now, Polito has had 14 goals over the last two seasons. And again, he was injured for part of last year. And Gotti Kinda has had four goals last season. So, yes, they miss Polito. But it doesn't seem like scoring is the problem, right? Uh, it, I think this is just kind of an outlier of a season for them. Anyway, before we finalize that conclusion, let's take a look at the roster, right? Are they old? Is this an old team? Yes, yes, they are an old team, as a matter of fact. According to fbref.com, the average age of Sporting Kansas City is 28.9 years old, the third oldest in MLS. Only the Columbus Crew and Nashville have an older team on average. The Crew at 29 and Nashville at 29.1. So they're all within, you know, 0.2 years of each other. So oldest teams. Most teams, I think, are around 25 to 27, probably in that 26, 27 range. So let's take a look at their players' age by their most starts, right? And and this is this is very telling here. So you got Tim Milia, 36 years old. He's the goalkeeper, though people are saying he's lost a step. Remy Walters, 27, not bad in his prime. Johnny Russell, 32, tail end. Roger Espinoza, 35. Logan Denbe, 22 years old. So he's on the up with them. Daniel Shallowy, 25 in his prime. And then you've got Andrew Fontas, who's 32, and Graham Zussi, who's 35. All of those players, those eight players, have started all have started at least 10 games for Kansas City. So their core, their core group is you know, right around like you, you take out in Denbe who's 22 and you take out Millie who's 36, their core group are like in the upper twenties, early thirties. Right. So that does not bode well for a lengthy season. Maybe Vermees is going to start rotating in some of the younger guys on the squad, but that has not been his trend, right? That has been the other criticism of him is how we want to get younger. We want to develop players. Look at all these great players we have homegrowns, Academy products, etc. But yet he's starting guys who are in their thirties for the bulk of the game so far. Now, before we talk about Peter Vermees, let's double-check the comment section over here, see what we got going on in the comment section. Red Bull Insider says, sack Peter Vermees. Peter is not helping this team. They just need a fresh coach. But if they do sack Vermees, who are they going to get? Armis? I don't know if an Armis MLS retread would work. It's interesting to think because Vermees has implemented a little bit of a, of a pressing system for Kansas City over the last few years which has kind of sucked without Pulido and Kinda, 
Um, so maybe Armis would be able to kind of pick up with a similar style and, and allow those guys. But honestly, I don't think Vermees is going anywhere. I mean, the, the, he, this is essentially the franchise that he built over the last, what, 12 years, 13 years. He's He's been the head coach from interim head coach to actual head coach. Um, so I wonder who else is out there. Honestly, I think Kansas City, if they end up asking Vermees to go to the front office and, and do his sporting director or technical director role, whichever it is, I forget, um, that they're going to probably promote someone from within. I, I think there's a specific identity and culture they have. And by bringing Chris Armis, that would kind of ruin that. Uh, and so I really think they would keep it um, in-house, so to say. Now, Brother BKL says, hey, guys, and Nick, uh, sorry, I was busy with the Rangers game. What did I miss? Oh, BKL, you're going to have to go check it out on the replay, man. We talked about the scores. We talked about TFC, how I think they're going to turn a corner shortly. And we're just talking about SKC and what is wrong with SKC, if there's anything wrong with SKC, right? And we got Talk NYCFC. Hey, guys, sorry I'm late. Great to have you with us. Better late than never, I always say. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And hopefully we can finish with everybody here chatting, contributing to the comments section. What do you guys think? Is Vermees on the outs? Does SKC need to make any big changes? Do they just keep plugging along? And also, guys, now that you're here, remember, like, subscribe, get that paid subscription if you haven't already, and throw a super chat our way so we can keep this channel funded, going, and growing. Now, getting back to what's going on here. Let's look at Peter Vermees. He's only 55 years old. He's managed Kansas City for 495 games since 2009 with an overall record of 213 wins, 118 draws, and 164 losses. I think if I remember reading, this was all off of Wikipedia, so trust the source as much as you can. Uh, I think it's around a 43% win, win uh, percentage. As a coach, three U.S. Open Cups, one MLS Cup, and I do believe he is the longest tenured coach in MLS history uh, and and currently in the MLS as well, and probably one of the longest tenured coaches anywhere in, in world soccer. I don't I don't know anyone who gets 12 years any place um, in, in the modern era and in the modern game and the way modern fans interact and react to all management decisions. Now, he's built Kansas City, but is it time for him to step down and focus on kind of his office duties? Honestly, I say give him another season with, with Kinda and Pulido at full health. But if they're not healthy next year, then you might as well start a transition. Um, if they're if their rehab is going poorly, if they're not going to be able to come back and perform, whatever the case may be, then you should probably start thinking about who's going to be your next coach. Uh, even though Vermees is only 55, right? We were talking about Bob Bradley before. He's 64, and we're talking about him having at least a few more seasons as, as the manager for Toronto. But is, is Vermees going to want to continue to be the manager for the next decade or so? Will Kansas City let him do it? Part of it's going to be results, but like we said, guys, Sporting Kansas City has been a top-five team in the Western Conference for the last five seasons with one exception and it was just a crazy outlier of a season, I believe. Uh, I think there was a lot of CCL hangover that year, if I am not mistaken. I want to say that was, what, one, two, through 2019? I feel like there was a, a CCL hangover for them, plus injuries. Their back line was decimated. But anyway, you've got an old team. You've got a coach who may have plateaued, especially without his best offensive players. And you've got a, a very closed soccer culture, club culture, organizational culture, I'll call it. 
And again, that's just kind of what I'm seeing from the outside. I don't have any inside scoop on Sporting Kansas City. So I really think they're going to give Vermees maybe another season. Hopefully they can get him some attacking players. But you know what? It might take that coaching change to start integrating some of these young guys. So it wouldn't shock me if if they give him to the end of the season and that's it. Wouldn't surprise me if he gets another two, three years to manage and help transition. But anyway, that's my thoughts on Peter Vermees. And let's take a look at some of the comments here. Awesome. BKL, Talk NYCFC, Red Bull, everybody's jumping on in with, with this talk, right? Talk NYCFC says this would be Vermees last season at the start. Um, he said it, but I said SKC would appoint Robin Frazier from Colorado. Interesting. I think Frazier is making himself a pretty good name at Colorado. I'm, I'm not as high on him as a lot of other people. Maybe that's just from some of his comments that he's made more so than his coaching. Um, but that would be an interesting move. I don't know. Does Frazier have a connection to Kansas City? My Western Conference memory doesn't go back that far. So if you guys know it, let us know. But I think he's going to stick around Colorado for a while. Talk NYC FC also says, I really said MLS Cup 2022 would be NYC versus SKC shaking my head. Well, the NYFC pick, I can see you're picking with your heart and your head on that one. NYCFC is looking good. But unless Kansas City has a dramatic turnaround and somehow sneaks into that seven spot and then makes a run, I don't see it happening. But you know what? I'm sure there's some optimists in Kansas City who would love to see that. Brother BKL Contreras, our very own sportertainment guy, as he says. But my opinion is sack that coach. Ooh, strong words from a couple of our of our viewers here tonight. And he doesn't have any players through that, though that team's between injuries and problems. Who's playing, right? And BKL, we talked about it. They got an aging roster, and I don't know of any real young talents that are coming up. Red Bull says, Don't worry, DSO, I got SKC winning it all. Oh. Fantastic. So you guys weren't the only ones who were high in Kansas City running into this season. All right. Now let's keep it rolling. Fans, viewers, podcast listeners, email us your thoughts, sonsofapitchsoccer at gmail.com, or jump on over to YouTube. Let us know what you think in the comment section. And you can always find us on Twitter at SOP Soccer for the channel, as well as at Wife Kids House for my own personal account. Um, but one final thought on Kansas City. Honestly, I think it's just a down year for them. Um, a strong Western Conference, right? You have Austin that has shot up the board. You had Nashville coming from the east to the west, who is playing excellent, excellent soccer. At least they have over the last few seasons. You've got uh, an LAFC team who has remained strong despite a coaching change. Uh, and Carlos Vela contract talks. You have a Galaxy team who started off hot. Again, Austin started off extremely well. Resurgent Dallas, a Houston team who's kind of faltering a little bit but had a good start. All of those factors combined, I think it's just an outlier season for Kansas City. Now, if they have another poor start to next season, totally different scenario that we're talking about. Anyway, I also want to talk about uh, a little bit more soccer news that's out there, just the general MLS news. And I want to give thanks to uh, a new wise man over on Twitter for – tipping me into this story. If you want to follow along and join the conversation with one of our loyal listeners here at a new underscore wise man, uh, they tweeted at us about the TV rights deal that MLS is trying to figure out for the next TV package uh, because Apple TV said we're out. We're no longer interested in bidding on the rights to broadcast MLS games. Now, before we talk a little bit about that, first thing I got to say is don't 
listen to the trash on Twitter about this, right? Go to the actual reporting. Go to the actual sources. Because if you just follow on Twitter, it's people who just look at the headline and are like, oh, this is an embarrassment for the MLS. It's a slap in the face to American soccer. MLS is terrible. Who would want their rights? That's not it at all. Really what it came down to was... Apple didn't want to pay the money MLS was asking for. So one good on MLS for giving a fair value and what they or what they think is fair uh, and good for Apple for just trying to, you know, protect themselves from overpaying. But, but Apple didn't want to pay the money and have the geographic restrictions that come along with it. The blackouts, right? Like for me living in the Chicago area, all the games are on ESPN plus, but when Chicago is playing at home, you have to go to WGN to watch it. Or, thankfully, this is fantastic. I love that the league's allowing it and that the team's doing it. You can go to the Chicago Fires website and stream the games there, which is how I've been watching my games, either you know, looking at my little phone. I should probably upgrade my phone now um, to get a little bit of a bigger screen or just you know, watch it on my laptop while I'm hanging out. So Apple TV didn't want to deal with the blackouts, which is fine. You still have ESPN, Univision, and Fox Sports bidding on the next MLS rights. And I'm sure you're still going to have, you know, Twitter broadcasting the occasional game. I'm sure you're still going to have YouTube broadcasting the games, uh, depending on their involvement with LAFC and the league. If anyone knows what's going on with YouTube, uh, please let me know. Um, but, But you still have some major players. For me, the problem isn't, oh, no, Apple TV doesn't want to be in or, oh, no, we're overpricing or whatever it is. For me, the problem is, is, is the broadcast product, not the product on the field, as you're going to hear a lot of detractors say, well, who'd want to buy a poor MLS league? No, it's not. MLS is a solid league. You can't compare MLS, who's been around for 26 seasons, to England, France, Germany, Spain, Italy. You can't compare them to that or even to some of the South American leagues, right? been around 26 seasons and look what we've done in, in 26 seasons we're already you know probably a top 20 league at least a top 30 league in the world right that says something for what we're doing here um, and I'm probably underselling it as someone who's loved the MLS since since childhood but the MLS has to market themselves fairly so they don't scare away people and then lose TV money right anyway so my problem is not that my problem is the actual broadcast product. I'm not going to get into whether or not the broadcasters themselves are good. You know, I could care less about Twelman, Holden, Lawless, you know, and the other host of broadcasters. But to be honest, ESPN gives college baseball a better production value, right? They get the intro music. They get the the all, all the fancy graphics. They, they get the whip arounds looking around everything, especially for the NCAA tournament, all that stuff. MLS doesn't get that. You get your two-hour time slot and that's it. And sometimes you get bumped for college softball even. I think that was a huge sticking point for people earlier this season. If you want to promote the game in the United States, the MLS needs to say, look, here's the fair value of it. We can even come down on the price a little if you guarantee that you will broadcast our games in its entirety, that you will give a dedicated decision day show, if you will do other things like we even heck, see, look for college football, how they do college game day. We need like an, an MLS game day. There's so much you can do out there. Heck, start, start an ESPN FC channel, not just an ESPN FC show, which, by the way, also raises my ire because who's on ESPN FC? All international pundits, right? 
guys who don't know anything about the MLS or American soccer, they just talk about the international game, which is mostly English soccer for them, right? I'm not knocking what they're doing, but if you're not going to, but it's not promoting the MLS, right? If ESPN wants to make more money off of this, then they need to have a dedicated ESPN MLS show or some sort of production team that focuses on it. And you know what? I'm happy to do it for you, ESPN. If anyone out there who sees this video knows anyone at the Four Letter Network, then just go ahead, send them a, send them this link, send them my info. I'm happy to do it for you here. All right, I think that was my my rant there. So I'll, I'll leave it on a final note here. You know, the MLS does not have that global appeal just yet. So I understand why ESPN and the other major networks are a little hesitant to, to bid hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars for the MLS rights or billions of dollars for the MLS rights, whatever it is, because you're not going to get that audience in England and South America yet or, or in Europe and South America yet. But you know what? You have to help that along as a production team, right? Unless the MLS wants to start its own channel, its own streaming service, might not be a bad idea. Keep it all in-house. Have someone pay a few bucks for it, even though nobody likes more streaming apps. Anyway, that's my rant. I kind of got a little, kind of got going there a little bit, and I haven't even gotten through my drink yet. So let's take a look at some of the comments and see what all of our viewers are thinking here. So brother BKL says exactly. Don't trust that Twitter, including Google. It's not true. I just try to make seeds. Also, where could I check? Use your head and think. Thank you, BKL. Talk NYCFC says fair points. I appreciate that, man. Fair points. That's what I. That's what I do. That's the lawyer in me. I present the facts, and I and I let the jury make their own decisions, right? I just put the facts out. I ask the right questions, and that's where we're going. Red Bull Insider says, "I agree." Thank you so much, Red Bull Insider. As well as Talk NYCFC says, ESPNFC occasionally does MLS content, like the top ten goals. And yeah, it's nice to see that ESPN's top ten plays of the week. Starting to see some of those bangers uh, from MLS. They're starting to break in there, which is great. Um, and, and they're starting to pay attention to some of the young talent as well in some of those highlight packages. But we need to get some more consistency out of it. <laughs> Brother BKL, exactly. I'm a sport entertainment guy. I know everything. I use this head. Hey, Dan Geringer jumping in with us towards the end of the episode. Like we said before, better late than never, Dan. Welcome back to the show, man. And you're right. We were doing stats and recaps we were talking toronto fc's record numbers players we were talking uh sporting kansas city's goals over the last several seasons and do they really need Polito and kinda is that the heart of their problem we talked a little peter vermese we just wrapped up what we were talking about for uh the tv rights here so dan if you got any thoughts on these mls tv rights and who should get them and what's going on with the latest headlines feel free to let us know now couple other scores and updates that I want to give you before we go ahead and wrap up here. Big reminder, this Wednesday, June 1st, the USMNT, the United States Men's National Soccer Team, has a friendly against Morocco, 6.30 Central, Wednesday, June 1st, at TQL Stadium in Cincinnati. It's broadcast on ESPN2, Unimas, and 2DN. Uh, yeah, that's right. USMNT, biggest game. They've got like Tens of thousands of people going to this game, and it's on ESPN2. What, what are they showing on, on Wednesday night? Is, is there an NBA 
finals game, I think that would be the only thing that ESPN would bump. And I don't even know if they have the rights to that, right? Uh, so why they're putting it on ESPN2, not sure. This is what I'm talking about. Make it prime time. Make it a big deal. Come on. The soccer fan base is out there. Give them a little taste, and they'll be with you, ESPN. Anyway, let's look at a few other scores because not only did we have a lot of MLS action, 51 goals, a record so far this week, we had some domestic cup competitions as well. So let's start north of the border with the Canadian Championship. TFC defeats Halifax 2-1. Pacific and York 9 play to a 2-2 draw, but York advances on PKs. For you Canadian fans, here's a little bit of trivia on York 9. Dwayne DiRosario, one of his sons, Osaze, plays for York 9 and actually had one of the goals in that game. Montreal defeats Hamilton Forge 3-0, setting up uh, the TFC-Montreal matchup in the semifinals of the Canadian Championship. And then Calvary draws Vancouver 1-1 in regular time, and Vancouver advances on PK. So I think we're going to have Vancouver and York 9 on one side, and Montreal and TFC on the other side. So it's going to be a tough semifinal and final matchup for whichever teams get through. And just to quickly recap the last U.S. Open Cup results, uh, Nashville defeats Louisville 2-1, to ending Louisville's great run. Uh, Orlando and Miami draw 1-1, and Orlando advances on PKs 4-2. New York City defeats New England 1-0. Minnesota falls to Union Omaha 2-1. So Union Omaha have won at Chicago, at Northern Colorado, and at Minnesota in their last three U.S. Open Cup games. They are the last USL team, as well as the last – or no, not the last USL team. They're the last USL – league one team so they get like a $25,000 purse for that and then the only other USL team still in the cup now is Sacramento who defeated San Jose 2-0 also Red Bulls beat Charlotte 3-1 Kansas City defeats Houston 2-1 and the Galaxy beat LAFC again in Carson 3-1 so LAFC just can't win away to, to their rivals Interesting that Kansas City beats Houston and is going to move on to the round. What is this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So the round of eight here, right? Quarterfinals at this point? Yeah. So Kansas City's still running for a trophy here, right? Um, as we know, it's it's regional matchups. So Kansas City is going to play Union Omaha. Now, Kansas City puts out their top MLS lineup, at least without any injuries, right? If they can put out their top lineup, they could probably beat Union Omaha, though. I'm not going to count Union Omaha out after the run I just rattled off. And then I'll put Kansas City into the semifinals or, or conference semifinals. I can't count. I can't do math. I'm at the bottom of my of, of my drink here. Um, Kansas City still could make a run for a trophy this season, despite being one of the worst teams in MLS. And wouldn't that be just a very, very MLS-y American soccer kind of thing, right? You're one of the worst teams in your league, and then you win the domestic tournament. Crazy, right? Crazy to think. So before we wrap it up, let's take a quick look at some of the other comments that have come in. All right. Red Bull Insider says, Nick, your opinions about the Hudson River Derby early in the U.S. Open Cup. You know, I, I don't really have a strong feeling either way about the Red Bulls playing NYCFC early in the Cup. I do like that MLS is getting into the Cup at earlier, earlier rounds. And I like the geographic matchups that the U.S. Open Cup has. So it just kind of happens, right? Um, I don't think there's any – if I hated it, there's really no way to fix it. And if I loved it, there's really no way to guarantee it continues because right now both teams from New York are kind of towards the top of the standings and will most likely match up again uh, in the later rounds next season. So I don't have strong feelings about it one way or other. 
But it's awesome to see these rivalries get bigger and bigger, especially with the domestic cup competitions. Now, it'd just be nice if they were both playing in soccer-specific stadiums and you could pack in another 20,000, 30,000 fans for it. But, hey, that's what we've got now. Uh, Dan Geringer says, one of the fastest-growing sports in the U.S., and it's a struggle to find a game on TV. You know, Dan, I, I agree with you. It is one of the fastest-growing sports, and I think by average attendance, it's starting to take over – hockey over the last several seasons and maybe pushing into baseball i'm sure there's a few teams in the u.s mls teams in the u.s that are drawing more than a few other professional sports but it's just you know on, on the whole average that that they're packing them in what's interesting is I, I know personally like i cut cable and have been a few streaming services right you know your basics espn disney uh paramount plus like that that's about all i'm going to watch and then whatever little free things i can let my kids watch that aren't melting their brains too much um it, it, it's hard to to really buy a, another package because you're, you're paying more than what you were used to pay for cable right and heck maybe i should just switch back to cable so i just have all my sports in front of me um so it's hard to find the right price point and then add in all the games so that's one of the issues that really the mls can't address but they can address what's going on with the broadcasts with whatever broadcasting partner they partner up with and sell the rights to. And I think that's where they need to be a little bit more stronger. Dan says, I agree. And I appreciate you agreeing with me. Thank you. We got brother BKL saying, think about a last game between LA galaxy and LAFC in the U S open cup. Yeah. That would be insane. If we could have those kind of big games in, in some of the later rounds where there's a lot more on the line and they're playing their starters through it. Right. Um, Talk NYCFC says, I genuinely think NYCFC has a prime opportunity to win this cup. Absolutely, man. NYCFC has built themselves a pretty deep team over the last couple seasons, right? You don't win a trophy in MLS without a deep roster. They also had a good run in CCL. And even if Tati gets sold and is gone, you've got a bear coming back from injury. So that's almost like, you know, a TAM level or almost DP level signing just because they get him back from, from injury. So that being said, everyone, I want to thank you all for joining the show. We are coming up on our hour mark, and I know everyone's got a lot to do. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you viewing. And make sure you like, you subscribe, send us on over a super chat, even if it's 99 cents. I just want to, I just want to tell Mike, hey, Mike, look at the dollar I made us. How about it? I'll split it 50-50, something like that. It'll be funny. We'll, we'll go out. We'll, we'll buy a candy bar with, with the super chat, and we'll cut it right down the middle. Anyway, thank you all for your support, for your viewership, for bending your ears to me for, for another hour talking MLS. It's one of my favorite things to do during the week. It's what I look forward to when I watch the games. I can't, oh, I can't wait to tell anyone about this play that I saw or about this thing that I looked up. So thank you. Again, how do you like the new format? Do you like the score rundown and some of the news and headlines to follow the team profiles? Let us know. Email us, sonsofapitchsoccer at gmail.com. DM us on Twitter at SOP Soccer and at Wife Kids House. Again, send those super chats. Follow along. Go find my channel for a few soccer videos as well as some Chicago Fire dedicated statistical analysis over at wife.children.house on YouTube. And again, as a rem programming reminder here, everybody, I am out with a family obligation next week. Uh, I don't believe Mike has anything lined up. So anyway, turn those notifications on. So in case he does decide to throw something together, you'll be the first to know about it. Otherwise, we'll be back in two weeks recapping all the latest 
MLS action. Cheers to you, Dan. Have a great week as well. To you, to your family, to all of the fans out there, it has been a wonderful night. I hope everyone had enough to eat and drink this Memorial Day weekend. Enjoy the short work week, everybody. I know I will. Take care. Thank <laughs> you.